Today I'm joined by Natalia Korenkroft, who is a contemporary artist based in New York, working in drawing, painting, printmaking and sculpture with works in national and international private collections. She is a member of the National Association of Women Artists, where she served as a president during um, the difficult years of the COVID pandemic, 2019 to 2021. Presently, she is on the board of directors for the National Association of Women Artists. She is also an elected member of the Allied Artists of America, the Art Students League of New York, Monotype Guild of New England. Natalia has received a solid classical education, which allows her to explore many ways of expression inspired by nature, music, and science. Movement and light remain recurring themes in her artwork, which she refers to as visual poems. Her notable exhibitions include New York University East Galleries, Parsons School of Design Gallery, NYC, International Print Center of New York, Center for Contemporary Printmaking, Norwalk, CT Silvermine Artists Guild, New Canaan CT, Monotype of New England, Cambridge M.A. Lynn Art Museum, M.A. Arts Club of Washington, D.C., Strathmore Mansion, Bethsaida, M.D., New York Public Library, Art Students League of New York, um, uh, Awagami Handmade Paper, Tokushima, Japan, um, as well as Rave Miami Art Fair in Miami and Art Expo in New York. Thank you so much for joining us today, Natalia. Can you tell us a bit about your background? Um, thank you so much, Anon, for having me. Uh, I'm delighted and uh, I would gladly share uh, all I know and talk about my art in connection with the topics we have today. So um, I was born in St. Petersburg, Russia uh, in the last century, <laughs> in the 20th century. And it, my, my my uncle and aunts were artists and my grandfather was uh, also one of my first art teachers. So I grew up in a very uh, creative atmosphere, although my parents were not directly artists. So at the young age, I was accepted to school for talented children at the Academy of Fine Arts in St. Petersburg. And we studied from age 10, 11, until, until the high school. And then I was studying at the Academy. Um, about age 21, um, we, because due to the political upheaval, um, we, our family um, was able to leave. And we came directly to New York City, and I have been here ever since, and I love it. I, as much as I love St. Petersburg, and it is an absolutely um, incredible city in terms of energy and artist, artistry and history, and uh, I still have friends there with whom I keep correspondence. Uh, New York was my second love, and I, I, I'm still uh, enamored by it. it. With its multicultural life and contemporary art and very dynamic um, culture here, 
I also love the fact that there are so many different people living in New York City, and I'm coming from a indigenous society, more or less, into this explosion of cultures and cuisine and, uh, and all different traditions, which I love to explore. And I made my business to meet every international friend, international meaning, uh, well, <laughs> I was an international person too, just to learn about the cultures from, from the curious years of the culture. And I think that was a cosmopolitan uh, interest of mine. I think it's re reflected at the end in my work. I was uh, raised as a, you know, in European tradition of painting. And by, like I said, by early, early age, I was able to draw realistically and paint. And, and, and that was good foundation. However, I felt like it was time for me to explore other areas of visual um, expression. And I wound up to be working abstractly because that I felt is an, an universal language of expression that people from many cultures could relate to on the simple basis that we are human. So there's something within us that we all as humans are doing. We love dancing and, uh, and singing, so we love the movement, and we like to uh, feast. The joy of life is part of the food comes with it, right? And travel and, and a natural curiosity. Uh, people uh, always want to learn new things. Some, some do not, not as much, but it's still uh, a person does have this curiosity to a different degree. And I, I think through that curiosity, I was exploring my own self. How far can I go away from what I have been taught and how far I can carry the traditions I've been taught into something unknown? So my artistic journey was actually going into the unknown with a little package I had and see what I can pick up on my way. And that is how... how uh, as a traditional painter in oil and, in oil and canvas, in European tradition, I started to explore uh, contemporary printmaking and then eventually sculpture. So through that journey, I can now combine all of this and I create some kind of multimedia pieces that speak to uh, subjects of movement and light and certain human universality. Let's just say that. But it is always anchored in nature. Uh, that would be my first inspiration would be nature. Nature of human <laughs> beings and nature around us. Amazing. And I think your classical education sort of comes through that in the way you sort of um, systematically exploring and discovering and being curious and, you know, art with depth and meaning, uh, which is ever so important uh, in today's world. Um, could you also tell us about your role um, in the member um, board of directors in the National Association of Women Artists? Um, yes. Um, as I said, as I was growing up in St. Petersburg, Russia, in a very sort of, um, in a society where the male culture was dominant, and I, I found the same similarity here when I came to New York. But here there was some, um, there were, there, there were some feministic movements, which I, I was interested in, but I, 
I did not want to connect with them too far because some of them I found extreme to, to my taste. Um, it's a personal perception. So uh, I found this uh, National Association of Women Artists and I eventually became a member and I helped a lot of volunteering to set up exhibitions and the women were lovely. And and it was just sort of a, a, a beautiful um, social thing that I, I've been participating in. But uh, slowly I learned the history and apparently it is the first and the only uh, women club at the time. It was founded in 1889 in America by five women who studied in Europe in the Julian Academy with Impressionists who were, it was first academy that even allowed women uh, to, to be studying there. It was a private academy. So Marika Sat was one of the uh, students there, and uh, she brought this kind of ideas to America. She was an American, and uh, I was fascinated how that a hundred years ago women had the same issues and we're having now, hundred thirty three years to be precise. And so things had shifted certainly, but not exactly. It is not an equal relationship, let's say. And still in the museum, the statistic is such that women in major museums and collections in the world. Um, if I say 20%, I would be about right. In the 70s, I think it went from, I think, 11 to 14, a little bit more, but certainly there is a progress, but it's still not 50 50. So, and uh, there are many women studying art, and uh, I was just always surprised why, uh, why it is. Well, of course, it is not because of women, uh, quality of women art is, is not, uh, is as lesser. It is because the way the things are structured in society and these th things are shifting now, which is very exciting to see. And look, we are now two women having this interview, which would have been not possible <laughs> some decades earlier, or it would be not, not common, let's just say. So, Things are shifting, but slowly everything is taking its time. But um, I just thought that I love to help people. And uh, because I volunteered a lot, I was elected to be president. And of course, it happened to be the pandemic year. Uh, it was very challenging because nobody knew what was happening. Nobody knew what would be awaiting us, how to run a business, what's happening. So uh, I uh, within a month, also, we wrote uh, uh, out as many businesses were doing at the time uh, with our operations online, and we started online programming, online shows. Uh, now it is very common, but then it was not as common as it is now. So we just brought our <coughs> organization to the level that it had to be to stay relevant with the change of society. And by being so, we became suddenly um globally accessible to everyone. So it's not only the shows in New York that people could or could not come to. Yeah. Although we're a national organization, so we have members of many states. And we have several chapters in South South Carolina, Florida, and um Massachusetts and headquarters in New York. But we became so much more relevant, global, and vibrant, and we had um Massachusetts chapter, I think they're doing some kind of 
um, Hello World program when they talk to artists from different worlds and, and they have been running it for several years. And my heart was just rejoicing. I was thinking, this is how it should be. And after, well, now things are shifting back a little bit, but not because we had this experience as a global community. We cannot pretend nothing happened. That horrible pandemic and united us in 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 understanding that we are human beings, and so we're all very vulnerable and tangible. And there is no superiority really when it comes to our biologists, for example. So we lost a lot of wonderful people, actors and writers, especially of the older generation. But it only it also gave us a message. This is what I saw. Uh, everybody was so negative, and and I was too. <laughs> but then I thought at least we're. Uh, not putting out extra stress on the college on, on, in that specific year, and and we are trying to be a little bit more compassionate as as a as a global culture, not as a certain country. I mean, there were some um, apprehension in certain countries, of course, but in general, there was a vibe that people are ready to unite, and that was on my small scale as the president of the National Association of Women Artists. It also happened in, in, in my little realm, in my little world, and I was happy to see all the uh, women artists were being seen by a larger, wider audience. So it was very rewarding. No, and absolutely, probably a lot of hard work and dedication on your part as well. And yes, women are sort of generally underrepresented underrepresented in the art field um and in terms of you know the the visibility that they have as well um but sometimes you know it's also the intra culture the culture within the women that are working together fortunately in the art world i've seen in all female environments the women are very 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 supportive and i think other sectors and other industries can really learn from that from the creative world um because even in women art collectives there is this um fantastic push on encouragement support um exchange of ideas and sort of seeking out strengths which is wonderful to see but that's actually a culture that forms so my question is what kind of environment and culture do you think is conductive to raising female creativity and aspirations um you know what would you say um within the women that are working together how can they help each other well i think uh each each woman is uh has this to, to a degree, a built-in mechanism of, of mother, mothering. Even these women who do not have children or cannot have, uh, even young girls who are not even mothers yet, they still, they have this compassion that, that, that is built in into them to have this capacity to commiserate, to or to empathize and to sympathize. So that is our natural ability. This is something we have. Uh, like in the ancient society, women were mothering, they were, you know, protecting the heart and the hearth and the family, while men were hunting and were providing. So that's a very, uh, sort of the primitive way, uh, of, of, uh, 
how the roles were distributed in, in the early societies. We are now have these roles to be enriched and shifted and so on. But this built-in uh, characteristics we still possess, and it doesn't mean that men do not possess them, and it doesn't mean that women cannot go hunt. However, this is something we already have. It's a given. It's 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 in us. And to use this wisely is is our job. And to use it to support each other, not only other women, but also men. As as mothers, always there is there is men and uh, future warriors, future sages and future saints, right? And uh, I think I would not want to be sexist in that way. That being compassionate is you have to be a woman. However, in all female environment, they, there is too much estrogen, and sometimes they they are they are they are conflicts because women have tend to have strong opinions because they are protecting the sovereign of themselves and their point of view. And, and they can they read as well, like the non-verbal cues in terms of women when they see a situation. I think they see a lot more than what is actually apparent because they can uh, read the body language, the subtle cues, the facial expressions, the tone. I mean, there's so much to kind of go into. Um, and they have a lot of information that they're sort of processing even when they're communicating with each other. A woman, you know, generally would be able to pick up on um, the approachability of other women or the friendliness or the way something is delivered. And I think that adds to that complexity of, of the picture that we have when we are working with other women. Yes, women read the room immediately and they, they, they know exactly what we're doing because they also have this intuitive sense of perceiving yeah. the world. Men are a little bit more tends to be more in general, uh, again, not good to generalize, but uh, they're a little bit more of a, Analytical, uh, they process things differently. Again, not all men, and you know, uh, I do not want to make it a gender-defining uh, conversation. However, the role of the women in society is still uh, underprivileged, let's just say. And all the gender revolution that we are experiencing now is also due to the fact that uh, if you're different, you're not good enough. So that that kind of stipulation has to has to really stop, and that's what we're trying to um, discuss and expose, so people could see that everyone has a contribution to make in society, just because of the fact that we are alive and we stand together, and everyone has their own uh, role to play. The key is to recognize that role and to play it nicely with others. So we're not stepping on our toes and we're not uh, restricting rights of others, but on the country, we help them grow, help them explore who they are and, and, and foster this uh, relationship of the differences, celebrate our differences as opposed to focus on them and, and, and act uh, from the point of view that uh, the differences what separates us. Um, so thank you, Natalia, for that. Um, I want to ask you, what inspires your creativity? Uh, well, I could answer this question verbally, or I could just show a little slide presentation that I have of my work, of my past 10 years of my work, not my whole work. 
Uh, and it's pretty self-explanatory since I'm a visual artist. Would you allow me to share my screen? Yeah, yes, please. And please talk us through it for those of, um, of course. the audience that will be listening to the podcast as well. Yes. Could you please enable the screen, uh, screen uh, sharing? Uh, I would need to be made a co-host, I think. I think you should be able to do so now. Can you share? Can yes, you share? Yes. Fantastic. Okay. Okay. Can we see my my screen? Oh yes, oh. lovely. Uh -huh. So this is um, a little uh, digital presentation catalog that I I would like to share with you. Uh, my uh, work in the past decade sort of culminates in this selection that I'm about to share with you. Uh, it, uh, the work is dealing with movement, curvature, trajectories of a gesture, and it's all based on um, on the nature that I observe. That's that's a little introduction about me, but I, I think you already beautifully introduced me, so we just skip to the next one. So the nature is my uh, number one inspiration. Uh, as I record, as I look at the nature, as I look at the swaying uh, branches and uh, leaves shimmering in the wind, uh, I record the curvatures in a dynamic movement by drawing from observation. So this artwork that you see on the screen now are both mm, the works that are based on the natural world, but they are actually Brought a little bit further. The work on the left is called A Quiet Hour. It's sort of a meditative piece based on a landscape by the lake, and you have a couple of islands and a tree in the foreground. And it's a very, it's a black and white, and it's the shapes that they use there, they sort of suggest what color would they be, what they, what part of the day it would be. Is it evening? Is it early morning? Is it night? Um, oh, thank you so much. So I wanted to ask you, Natalia, um, what challenges have you come across and what is it like running your own studio? Well, as you probably could relate to very easily, it's being organized, being on time, being not carried away with description of my artwork when it's a short interview. Uh, it, it is basically uh, trying to fit or when my multitasking into one day, one segment of time, and I allow the time for it. And uh, after COVID, I had closed my studio for lessons, so people do not come here. I come to them because I have to do that. But uh, it was a pleasure of having people in my studio, mostly children, but not only, uh, where they would be exploring and learning about themselves. Uh, and it was very rewarding to me. I was learning about myself too by, by being their teacher. It was very interesting. The challenges are, besides the time, is to, uh, well, to sort of do everything I wanted to do, to have the budget for it, to make sure that everything stays in balance. I have a family, so I spend enough time with them and spend enough time with myself thinking about, uh, and executing the idea. So this is the three. Uh, and then sometimes just relaxing and being in nature and, and contemplating. That, that that also takes time. So I guess that would be the, the challenges would be coming from there, mostly. 
Fantastic. And what does the outlook uh, look in terms of your future? Well, uh, I'm on this journey. Whatever comes along, comes along. I'm very open. My uh, uh, because I'm so open. One of my challenges is also to sometimes focus on something for a while to execute the project, especially with sculptures, especially with bronze pieces that take a long time to produce, to plan out, and and they still come out how they want. So deal with the aftermath of it and and, and uh, show it around and and keep the joy. Uh, besides all of this, uh, challenges and the joy part is easier, but the time is a little bit beyond my control. So, uh, the future is basically I would like to create larger outdoor sculptures and also indoor sculptures that are child that are, uh, that contain a lot of important energy. So when a person put my piece of sculpture in a uh, house or the room, they would feel that 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 is magnetically charged piece with the positive vibes. That that's what I really am going for. And for the outdoor pieces, uh, that will be the same thing. People would just, you know, touch them, climb them and, and just celebrate um uh, celebrate the lives. You know. 